That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. We're coming to you live from San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. Uh, and today, we're talking with my uh, good friend and best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and awakening coach, TJ Woodward of Conscious Recovery. Uh, man, it's always good to run into him. Uh, I think this is second, third, fourth. I don't know. We've done quite a few shows together, so it's always great to chat with him. Before we get to TJ, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, I mentioned we're at the Innovations in Recovery Conference, and I know some people go, what the hell is the Innovations in Recovery Conference? Uh, it's about everything new in behavioral health care. Uh, so why are we here? We're here to bring you some of the top experts and recovery advocates and help inform you on what's going on in the recovery community as well as the treatment industry, uh, and of course, have some fun at the same time. Uh, if you want to learn more about Foundations Events, uh, Innovations in Recovery, Moments of Change, uh, you can go to foundationsevents.com and you get some more information there. Uh, last, finding the right treatment options for addiction and mental health illness uh, can definitely be tough. Um, that's why Sober Guys continue to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, they stay true to their mission, they hold high ethical standards, and provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. So if you, a loved one, need some help, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy. That's foundationshelp.com slash soberguy. Or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options. They can answer any questions for you, and I promise you'll be well taken care of. Uh, TJ Woodward, here we are, my friend. Once again, what is this like? Uh, conference 3, 4, we've done some live shows, some Skype, uh, Zoom podcasts, all kinds of stuff, man. We have done some shows <laughs> together, so I am really yeah. grateful to be here. Always great running into you. and. You know, for anyone who's listening, I just want to also say, you know, you are one of the very top recovery podcasts in the world. And I, you know, I Googled top po podcast for recovery and sobriety. Yeah. Your name pops up. So I just want to say thank you for living your dream, your passion oh, and man. reaching millions of people that you're never going to get to meet. And how cool is that? <laughs> man, dude, I'm, I almost don't know what to say to that because I don't know if it's uh, something from a recovery thing or just a personal thing. Sometimes I have a hard time taking compliments, man. I work on that. Some I've been working on, you know what I mean? Because I tend to minimize stuff. And I think a lot of us or a lot of people can relate to that, um, it, it, whether you're in recovery or not. Um, beside the point, thank you very much for saying that. And I'm going to accept that and receive it. This is a really damn good thing that, um, that has you know, kind of led me. And I forget sometimes, too, most importantly, this show has had such an impact on keeping me sober, man. And I forget about that a lot of the time too, because it's busy, man. There's a lot of shit going on, so. Yeah, and you know what, what is really amazing about it is when you're talking about this thing of accepting compliments, for me, what, what really helps me with that is to remember the deeper purpose, right? This mm. isn't about yeah. me as a totally. personality. This yep. is about a mission that you and I are both on in our own ways of really That's getting good, a man. message out to millions of people who are suffering from addiction yeah. and how we can help break that cycle. And mm. so when I tap into that, into that mission, that purpose, I can then accept like, yeah, we are yeah. doing great work. Yeah. And it's only because of my own trauma, my own darkness, my own pain, and 
having people that were there for me that helped me break that. And yep. so it's like, you know, I'm, I've signed up now for the rest of however long I get to be on the planet. This is my mission. <laughs> I love it because when, when we look at a recovery program or and my sponsor, and I talk a lot about this, too. When I start getting up in my own head about stuff, I need to turn to someone I can help. That's one of the main things. And so it kind of equates that it relates to that, I think. Um, it's not about me. It's it, there is a bigger picture. It's about people. It's about community and actually going out. And I think mission. You said mission. That's a good word to put. Like I'm on a fucking mission. Sometimes I feel you like are. I don't know where the hell it's going. Sometimes, which is fine. Uh, but yeah. So um, what's up with you, man? We just uh, you just did the um, uh, modality 2019. This is the second year modality conference, right? Yeah, Modality is a really cool conference. It started, honestly, as a conversation about two years ago, actually at Innovations in Recovery. I really? was meeting with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how cool it would be to do like a one-day treatment symposium or a yeah. conference based on holistic, mindful, spiritual practices and, and uh, treatment modalities. And it evolved into, you know, a friend of mine and I wanted to speak, and it, we partnered with Elevate Addiction Services yeah. in, out in the Santa Cruz area. And they were not only on board with it, they were just like, let's take this to the next yeah. level. So uh, this was the second year. It was on fire this year. We had four speakers this year. Nice. Next year, we're looking at having two full days. Because really? a lot of the feedback was like, we love the speakers and we want to know how to actually start practicing this. So it's going to be even more experiential. We're going to speak and then we're going to so have some panels. workshops and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, you know, and Seth and I got to go out to the uh, Modality 2018, which was the first one. And um, uh, Elevate did a great job of, of putting that together and um, really being very welcoming. Uh, and, and the content, of course, you and Noah were there. It was awesome. Um, I can't imagine, uh, you said even it, it was bigger and more people this year, so I can only imagine what next year is going to be too, man. It's pretty yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I'm extremely grateful for is at Modality 2018, I presented and, and that was where I connected with the owners of Elevate and they were the first treatment program that adopted my curriculum outside of me facilitating it myself. God. And that really has launched. They were the, they were the first program yeah. to, to adopt the, the conscious recovery curriculum. Yeah. And it's been amazing. And talk about, you know, how you opened with, you know, having this, you know, can I take on, can I, can I hear the positive feedback? Because yeah. when I go to Elevate, I feel a little bit like a rock star because the <laughs> clients there are like, no way, yeah. you're the author of that book. It changed my life. And, it, you know, when I remember the deeper purpose, it's just sometimes, honestly, I go home in tears because of the impact that it had. Because here are people that, you know, are really in the midst of trying to break the cycle of their addiction yeah. and my book is helping them. So I'm just extremely grateful for that. When, uh, when Elevate uh, decided to take on uh, Conscious Recovery uh, as part of their program, like how did you feel? Because we talked a little bit about accepting like, wow, like I'm, the only way I know how to put it is like, damn, I'm, I'm kind of doing this shit. You know what I mean? And then I, I just said it right there. I'm doing this stuff. How do we kind of navigate a little bit through that, you know? Yeah, well, for me, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I identify in conscious recovery, I talk about shame being one of the root causes of addiction. And yeah. I tap into that shame. And one of the faces of shame that was so prevalent for me early in my life, and I know you and I have talked about this, you know, feeling not good enough, feeling yeah. stupid. And yeah. part of my strategy for that was to be, you know, all about me and big <laughs> ego. But totally. underneath all that, I felt really inadequate, really not good enough. Yeah 
unlovable. So it's an interesting thing now to step fully into launching conscious recovery as this worldwide movement yeah, and a modality cool. and reminding myself that it's about the spirit me, not the ego me. And then when I'm in that energy of how can I serve more people, I can take it in, I can accept it. Yeah. It's when I start thinking that I have some like, you know, this is mine or, you know, I'm so cool. And, you know, and that, that just never yeah. serves me. Yeah. And so I yeah. remind myself, first of all, that I stand on the shoulders of masters. You know, my, yeah. my first spiritual teacher, Mary Helen Brownell changed my life. And in some ways, conscious recovery is simply an extension of her work and her life. Yeah. Um, so maybe for those, like I said in the, in the intro, you know, we've done a couple of podcasts, maybe for a new listener out there, uh, I, I thought real quick, maybe just have you kind of in a nutshell, what's some of your story? Just a little bit. I mean, keep, as, yeah. as much or as little as you want, but in, what did in, that look like? In a nutshell, the way conscious recovery was born was out of my own story. And that is very simply, I remember being joy filled and happy and just a really happy little kid. And yeah. I remember a sensation, a moment where that shut off. I remember becoming really afraid, closing down, building walls around my heart, yeah. growing up in a world that wasn't accepting me for who and what I am. And I closed off and I shut down. And it wasn't until I discovered drugs and alcohol that I had some relief from that. Yeah. And I, that, that the, the initial using of drugs and alcohol brought me to a place of being comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And I know we hear that a lot. So I got sober pretty young, 20 years old, like 50 some odd days before my 21st birthday, ironically. <laughs> and I, I, you know, that began my journey of returning to this place of wholeness. So yeah. uh, for me, addiction is not the problem. It's the solution. You know, yeah, the substance good. is always the solution. So that's part of the framework of conscious recovery. Yeah. It's about returning to that place of wholeness. I recognize that underneath all addictive behavior is still this whole and perfect spiritual being. Yeah, that, yeah, and you're kind of trying to tap into that. And I, uh, gosh, I feel like a broken record saying this. And we've talked about this so much, not just even not on even the podcast or at the conference this week. In the last week, um, I've had so many conversations with different people about how less recovery is about alcohol and drugs. It's like such a small, small part of it. Um, and it's really about, you know, getting down and figuring out why, why we're using those. And it could be even anything as food, sex, it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs, just whatever it is that we use as human beings to fill that void where we feel like shit, maybe, you know what I mean? And, and it, when I started realizing like, wait a minute, it's not really just about booze or dope or you know whatever there's more to this now let me start finding myself that was like it made me hungry i guess to go find that you know exactly yeah and 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 in conscious recovery i frame it as addiction as a brilliant strategy that once served us really well and if it's no yeah. longer serving us and there's a whole conversation around powerlessness of course yeah, in the totally. recovery movement but for me in addition to that, because I think initially it's important to say, hey, I'm powerless over my addiction. Totally. It's been running my life and ruining my life quite possibly. But there's also this place of taking back our power and reminding ourselves that ultimately we do have this essential self and it's about returning to that. And then we can begin to, that journey. As you said, it's not about the substance. That was a strategy. Yeah. It was a strategy to try to get love and connection or to try to not feel or to try to manage something. So the first, the first and foremost, the thing with conscious recovery is it started with a recognition that most modalities treat symptoms and behaviors. Yeah. 
addiction or substance or sex or shopping, whatever that is, that's a symptom. It's not about that. So what are we trying to manage? Getting down to the deeper root causes is yeah. what I really intend to do with Conscious Recovery. So what's uh, what's next with Conscious Recovery? I know you're working. You're always working on something. Um, so I know there's some exciting things coming up. We're not going to talk about some of them on this podcast. Um, but what what can we talk about? What are you working on right now? Well, what I'm working on is big. So I have an intention, <laughs> and you're hearing it here, right. not for the first time because I've said it before. Okay. But I want to see my curriculum in 1,000 treatment programs. That's my intention. Awesome. Right now it's in three, so we're off to a good start. Good for and what I'm doing is I've created curriculum, 12-week curriculum, three different tracks that I'm going into treatment programs. There is a new paradigm of treatment right now. We're changing the narrative on treatment. We're really looking at how holistic and spiritual, mindful practices and principles can help someone, like you said, shift from the symptoms and behaviors and get down to the deeper root causes. The way I'm saying it now is this isn't about treatment. This is about healing. What is the difference between treatment and healing? And so conscious recovery is being run at treatment programs. I'm out speaking all over the country right now. Uh, training you, facilitators. Eventually, we're going to have a certification training for individual clinicians. So I have a very big uh, vision yeah. for this. You got a lot of shit going on, which <laughs> <laughs> in, in a good way too. I mean, I'm sure it's keeping you busy. Um, some just kind of came to me in, in the moment here. So I'm picturing right now uh, a guy uh, driving home in his in his truck, and uh, for some reason he's got his work boots on and he's got a beard and he's kind of a burly dude, and maybe he's got. Um, Maybe he's got some issues with uh, with drinking or whatever, right? And he do- he doesn't really know a lot about what there is to offer, like what modality means, what holistic means. Like, wait, meditate? That doesn't mean I just have to sit Indian style and get all fucking weird. And like, can- how can you explain something to somebody? And maybe it's, I don't know why I'm picturing that type of person right now, but um, anyone in general, who doesn't really understand, like what's the best way to simplify to them maybe some of conscious recovery? What other options are out there? Like, damn, there's this whole different life for you out there if you really wanna uh, look into it. Yeah, the way I would say it, first of all, that that the type of person you're describing, right? I um, recently met someone that kind of fit that profile, huh. right? And he was working through Conscious Recovery Workbook with his counselor. And the counselor was like, this guy's never going to buy all of this. <laughs> yeah. And it was true in the beginning, yeah. right? So in the beginning, yeah. this guy's, I don't know what you're talking about with all this meditation. Yeah, what but the there was that? a profound shift in this person's perspective. So really, it's actually a simpler way to say it is to say that we come into this world really connected with the truth of who and what we are, and the world in some way starts to break us, right? And we start to believe that there's something fundamentally wrong with us. And everyone, no matter what, from a CEO to a construction worker can understand that experience of you know the teacher in school, the kids on the playground, maybe a parent that gave messages that you're not enough, you're not yeah. good enough, you're feeling broken. And I worked with a um, counselor Uh, at a very high-end treatment program, $60,000 a month, and she worked there. And then she went from there to working in a program in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, working with the homeless population. And she called me one day and she said, oh my God, the the root of it's the same. People feel broken. 
People feel not good enough. People feel like they have to have something to numb out the experience of feeling disconnected from themselves and the world. And so I recognize that maybe the language would shift a little bit with different people, but the fundamental core of conscious recovery is helping someone get back to that place of wholeness yeah. where we don't have to numb out, learning how to be with ourselves. So if the word meditation doesn't work, you know, Addiction is primarily trying to feel something or not feel something, yeah, right? I want to feel really more cool. of that and less of this. Mm -hmm. So learning how to be present with what is. We yeah. could say it that way. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, uh, so whether we're, we're talking 60 grand a month or, um, you know, homeless in the tenderloin, the, the root cause of that is still, still the same, which, uh, which makes sense. And I think that kind of goes along with um, the fact of, and I know even this for me for a long time before I got sober, the vision of somebody with a drug or an alcohol problem was the homeless person sleeping in the doorway with the brown bag. There was that stigma behind right, it, you know, right. and it's like, no, that's really not what it is. It comes CEO, construction worker, nurse, clerk, right. um, black, white, you know, gay, straight, fat, skinny. It doesn't discriminate. Like exactly. we're all, and I know I'm kind of blabbing here now. I just got real excited on this one. Um, you know, you, I've really tried to practice like, and I, I learned this from listening. Have you heard of Jocko Willink? Mm -hmm. Jocko podcast, awesome dude, ex-Navy SEAL, like a uh, super badass guy. Um, but I watched a video my buddy David Rashford sent over to me, and it's just like a minute and a half. And he goes over how you gotta find the good in shit. So whatever situation you're in, um, how, what can you find that's the good in that situation? And how can you flip that? Because you can destroy your own mind and that's your choice. It's not really the external circumstance that you're in. It's how you're gonna uh, perceive that. How are you gonna work through it? What good can you find in it? And what I'm getting at here is, let's just say recovery in general. This community, as shitty of the things of people that die in, you know, from, from drug addiction, families broken up, uh, kids, you know, um, that are deeply affected by it at the same time on the good end of the spectrum it brings so many people together to to kind of combat that and fight against it that i that's one reason that makes me really proud to be a part of it I'm, i get to be a little piece of that puzzle you know? yeah and, and and that's something that's just for whatever reason part of human nature right like tragedy brings love right yeah. like we're looking at notre yeah, dame cool. and what just happened in the cathedral there and there's this group of people that. coming together holding these candlelight vigils we see you know a child missing and people coming together to try to find that child so for whatever reason in our human experience sometimes tragedy can be a gateway into a new experience I have gone through really dark periods in my life obviously when I you know right when I was really lost in my addiction yeah. and I was feeling totally disconnected but also like around 20 years sober I also lost a business my partner left you know all of that it all that. fell apart you were kind of like on cloud nine at the one point right you were making big bucks man you had successful business like doing the thing and had to yeah start over well and what happened for me if we're going to get really honest here <laughs> uh -oh. which is i know what we're going to do shane <laughs> yeah. is that um i had really kind of built my life on a pretty shaky foundation and, and really the way i'll say it is i'd kind of at 20 years sober lost touch with my essential self my spiritual essence and I became more about achievement. You know, when we were talking at the beginning, I was more in that ego, like, look how cool I am with my business and my Lexus and my two bedroom house on the hill and all yeah. of that. Uh, and what happened is, as I was meditating, as, as I was being in the silence, it became clearer and clearer that my life path was to work helping people spiritually and working in the addiction field. And when I said yes to that, when I said yes to that calling, 
everything else fall apart. And that, because it all fell apart, it became the most transformational experience. So what I hear you saying is, I don't think, this will be my controversial statement of the day. <laughs> I, love I do not buy everything happens for a reason. Got it. But what I will say is, I can make meaning out of anything that's happening. So I can choose to say, isn't this horrible? Yeah. Or I can choose to say, wow, I'm in a period of growth. I, this is an opportunity for me to really look at my life and to ask myself, yeah. what do I want to create now? And so I kind of like lost it all. And I went through a period of darkness and depression. And there was a point where I said, okay, how do I want to create my life? The most important piece of it was I want to be of service to humanity now. This isn't going to be about me being the oh so fabulous. I, I mean, I'm fine with financial success, but if it's all about that, yeah, uh, that we lose that, then we're losing touch with the purpose. So yeah. when I know that I'm here to really be of service, then things start to happen in a much more profound way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, and people people wonder that too. Well, how did you know? Um, uh, maybe a guy like Robin Williams, for instance, right? I think that's a, a an example. He's got, you know, money and fame and um, all the stuff. Um, and I don't know. I don't obviously know him and know it, it, the ins and the outs of what really he went through. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't. But at the end of the day, there was something that was missing for him. You right. know what I mean? And, right. and so it's, I think that's a good example. If you can have all of the shit, but if it's not... Um, uh, you know, if that soul isn't filled up with something higher, man, it's, and, and I pulled this, I, I read this actually on last week's show, uh, but it's a great quote and it, it talks a, a lot or, or a great verse um, it, from Ecclesiastes and it talks just what you were saying here. I had to pull it up real quick, but it says, excuse me, I have, uh, I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because the en they envy their it's, it is because they envy the things their neighbors have, but it's useless. It's like a chasing the wind. It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. And I always love that last part, trying to catch the wind. I'm never going to catch that shit, so I'm just going to try to roll with it. You know? Yeah, it's interesting because you're, you're getting to the root of something that's really important. I, Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone to become rich and famous so they recognize it's not it. Right. And so, again, I want to be clear, there's nothing inherently right or wrong about having financial success. Yeah. The issue is, like you said, someone like Robin Williams, um, I didn't personally know him. I met him a couple of times, but I you know, didn't know him enough to know what yeah. was really going on. But I can imagine if I feel disconnected or if I haven't worked through some of the trauma of my life and all of a sudden I have everything that is supposed to bring me happiness yeah. and the world is saying to me, you should be happy and there's something that still feels disconnected. I do work with a certain group of people that do have everything that the world says should make them happy and they still feel disconnected. They still feel shame. And on top of it, people are saying, you have nothing to complain about. You have everything. If I had that, I'd be happy. So then they, they become more isolated, right? Yeah. So, yep. you know, there are people that, you know, achieve everything and then they say, whoa, I still feel this disconnection. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's an interesting group of people to work with. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about this, something I heard recently. Um, get your take on it. Um, we're wired more for survival than happiness. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So let, yeah. let, let's break that down. Yeah. Because I think this is really great because inherent in the human nature is the need to survive. Yes. And I also believe equally 
it's inherent in, the, in this, our spiritual nature to be happy, to be to thrive. So this is what I believe about this, and this yeah. is sort of the basis of conscious recovery. I think we come in as whole and perfect spiritual beings and that happiness is innate. Connection is mm. innate. Love is innate. That's who and what we are. And then we get taught about competition. Mm. Now, I know there's something that happens you know, at a cellular level. We used to walk out of our caves and get eaten. So there's something that- <laughs> Straight that, survival, that, yeah. That, there is survival yeah. mechanism. But the issue with that, of course, is we aren't really most of us about to get eaten anymore so no. we're in this anxiety and in this stress and in this fear and a lot of it comes from the programs i remember being a little kid and being happy and joy filled and being fed all kinds of information about you know racism uh, war yeah. competition yeah. all yeah. of that and a I lot became, of negative stuff yeah. huh? well i remember last time um i don't remember which podcast it was either last time or the time before but um, we had talked a little bit about it's not, or you had talked about it, it's not so much about learning, but unlearning. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think about that often still like, wait, so it's, I, I need to unlearn some of this stuff that I've been kind of programmed. Even like, look at media, man. Media programs us since we were, you know, t television, uh, especially television. Now you've got iPads, you got all, all kinds of stuff. And a lot of it is so negative. I think that it's keeping us, um, well, I'll speak for myself. It, it keeps, if you're not a, like, um, aware of it, it can keep you in a negative state. And I think that's where a lot of this anxiety stuff, this fear stuff, we don't walk out of a fucking cave anymore and have to fear getting eaten by a lion. It doesn't like, that's not what, just like you said, you know, we don't have to worry about that. But shit. we've, we've replicated that. Like imagine like being a junior high school student or a high school student. And in something that I want to name is suicide is up mm. right now with young yeah. people. Uh, and it's really, uh, it's a travesty, but it's also really connected, I think, to what we're speaking of. Yeah. You know, with social media, I can't even imagine, you know, being, going through the difficulties I was going through and having Facebook and Instagram and what other apps I've never heard of because I'm not young enough to hear of them. <laughs> I know, but I there, there is, you know, to back to the unlearning, that, it's a chapter in conscious recovery. So I, I, the first part of the book is all about the root causes. We've talked about that on other shows, but yeah. when we get into breaking the cycle, the first chapter is creating safety. How do I have internal and external safety so that then we can move into the next chapter, which is unlearning. Yeah. And for me, it's about unlearning the programs, you know, the BS belief systems that we've been taught. Yeah. Right. I picked up so much stuff from my family, from my culture, from like yeah. my homophobic fifth grade teacher. Yeah. I felt broken. I felt there was something wrong with me and I concretized those beliefs into my system, right? Yeah. And it's all about like questioning those and starting to unlearn that. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man, that's good. Oh man, dude, we have some good combos, dude. And I, I, wanna, I wanna just preface this, man, this shit is all organic right now. I didn't have any questions here and that's what I love. And I think that, I think that's an example. And I'll bring it back to the powerless statement that you said earlier, right? Because um, I'm kind of with you, I don't know that um, like, I guess how I see powerlessness and my sponsor and I talk a lot about this too, the letting go thing. It's, it's so much just about me not trying to control everything. Not, not so much like I'm powerless, like I'm weak. I'm, you know, I, I have to take some of that power back and I'm glad that you point that out because I think there's a big difference there, you know, but if I live powerless and I let go, that's when shit goes smooth, man. I'm going with the flow. Yeah, know? so let's break this down a little let's bit do deeper. Yeah, because this is it. really, I think, powerful conversation yeah. <laughs> to have. Because if I feel broken, 
if I feel out of control internally, if I feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with me, my strategy is most likely going to find something to manage that. So let's, let's, I'm writing my third book right now. And in my third book, I'm using a few characters that are going through this conscious creation process. And one of the archetypes, the character I'm using is someone that feels not good enough. You know, she grew up in a household that was academically, you know, there were all these high achievers around her. You know, her older sibling was like, you know, straight A student. So her strategy was to be perfect, to control the world. And that's what we're talking about, right? So I'm holding a core belief that I'm unworthy. And so what I'm presenting to the world is I'm invincible and I can control everything. When we're talking about powerless, we're talking about letting go of that control. But when we go to the deeper root cause of that, it's usually the opposite. So if someone's acting really arrogant, I usually start to look for a sense of unworthiness underneath that. When we get down to that deep root cause, that's when we need to actually take the power back. So it's both and, right? So this is the easiest way for me to say it. The control, the human self, I want to surrender. The human self, I cannot control other people or when I try to it doesn't serve me but the spiritual power it's the difference between force and power for me let me surrender all my force surrender my manipulation surrender trying to get the world to uh, acquiesce to my way of being and then come back to my spiritual power and then as you said when I really reconnect with my true self then all of a sudden the world becomes really easy and I no longer need to control situations because I'm at peace no matter what. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, One of my favorite uh, um, uh, parts in the big book, it talks about um, I want to be the director of the play. I want to be the director, the actor. I want to be the stagehand. I want to be, I want to sit in the audience and watch. I want to do everything, you know, and I think it kind of goes to what you're talking about there, trying to control every little aspect. And it's like, no, I don't want to do any of that. I just need to sit back and watch the play roll out. Uh, I might clap at the end, you know, if it sucks, I might boo. I don't know, but I can't control everything that ha- all those roles anymore, man. It's like trying to wear all those hats, man. It's a lot, a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah. And there's a paradox here. Okay. Let's hear it. Because I'm actually writing my third book and I'm actually saying that we really are the director of our own show, but mm. not in the way of trying to manipulate the outer world but about shifting the inner world because I can only step into the life I feel worthy of. And that's where the powerlessness thing and the recovery movement to me gets misused where we become disempowered. I heard someone at 26 26 years sober say, I don't know how to have relationships because I'm just a fucked up alcoholic. And I thought at 26 years, years, right? And so that's not what we're really talking about here, right? We're talking about surrendering (laughs) the strategy, the strategies of control, the strategies of manipulation, the strategies of perfectionism, getting back to that place of power and recognizing that it's not true that we're broken, that we're actually infinite, powerful, creative beings. And when I'm connected with that source energy, then I, or paradoxically, then I do kind of change my experience of the world, but not in the way of like, I'm going to try to manipulate people. But when I stand in my power, doors open. So crazy, man. Cause I'm just like, I'm just thinking like when, yeah, when we're born, we're born all natural love, like a hundred percent pure. Um, 
And you're right. We get shaped and molded into these things by our environments, by our culture, by our parents, by, you know, and to no fault of their own. I'm sure I've done some fucked up things with my kids, shaped them a certain, you know, said stuff or whatever, trying to do the best I can. But we're all guilty of it to some aspect. Um, and I think just, man, I'm having a light bulb moment right now. I hate that term, but even <laughs> recognizing that is a win, I think. You know what I mean? Even just saying like, wow, man, that's something I can chew on a little bit and continue to go down that path. It's a big win. It's actually, I think it's fundamental because when I have a paradigm shift and that's what I intend to create with Conscious Recovery and if we want to go a little deeper, because I know we can, oh, yeah. we're really talking about the quantum field here, right? And the quant quantum field says, when I call something something, I see it. Right. And so yeah. my intention as a counselor to be working with someone or facilitating a group is to hold that place of seeing the spiritual wholeness in that person. And it has a profound effect. Got it. So when we yeah. really understand that we came into this world as perfect and whole spiritual beings and we've been programmed, but just like the sun is out, regardless of whether or not we can see it covered yeah. by clouds, this is really about unlearning and letting go of the programs so our natural light can shine. So the question wow. I have for the listeners right now is, what if you're not as messed up as you think you are? What if you're actually whole and perfect? And this isn't about learning anything, but this is about unlearning and letting go of all those beliefs that we were programmed to believe are the truth of who and what we are so we can actually get back to that spiritual essence, that place where we no longer need to cling or avert the Buddhist definition of suffering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So be in a place oh, yeah. in a, being in a place of spiritual wholeness and at peace. You just titled the uh, podcast, by the way, What If You're Not As Messed Up As You Think You Are. It's a good <laughs> title, I think. Um, so I, went, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you uh, real quick, too. You mentioned... Um, uh, working with someone who come, or, you know is coming across very arrogant is that is that tough? that would seem like it'd be tough to kind of break through break through some of that wall it's only tough if i believe someone is their behavior it's only tough if i'm looking at them through their strategies rather than their spiritual wholeness so this is really important. If someone, because you know, I work in the addiction treatment field, I've been in, in it for a decade, and I sit in, this is my controversial statement number three, perhaps. Okay. Yes. I sit in clinical meeting after clinical meeting after clinical meeting, hearing people identify their clients as broken. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing it, they're not saying they're broken, but they're saying, oh, she's so borderline, or he's so entitled, or the ever popular, they're so resistant to treatment. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Of course they're resistant to treatment. They're coming out of an addiction. Yeah. Or or another one that I love is they're drug seeking. Well, yes. I haven't heard that one. We, drug we, seeking. Yeah, so like a psychiatrist will say I you know, they're coming to me talking about, you know, their their issues, but I feel like they're drug seeking. I see, got it. Well, yeah, of they're course trying, they are. Yeah. They're they're wanting to numb out. They're trying wanting to, to manage it. Yeah. So if someone comes in looking really arrogant or entitled, rather than viewing them through that lens, what if I were to say, "Huh, I wonder, that's a strategy. I wonder what's underneath it." And then with that person, just hold a space, see the spiritual perfection, start asking them, what are your strategies to, to, to feel yeah. comfortable? Maybe they can name it then. How is it serving you? How is yeah. that, you know, bravado see, and serving I, and you? I, and I love that because it's not, it's not about like having all the answers. You know what I mean? Like we don't have, I'm, I'm not here. I can't fit. I can't even fucking fix myself. Like how the hell am I going to fix somebody else? But what I can do is I can listen. I can share with you what's worked, what hasn't worked for me. I can help guide you to maybe 
uh, thinking outside of that box. And that's really what conscious recovery, and that's what yep. you're really focused on doing too, is helping to guide people with um, support and love and, and, and new it, It's ideas. totally outside of the box because, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're getting there and we're getting there slowly. So um, the addiction treatment field now is looking at strength-based, you know, strength-based modality. And what that means is rather than looking at what's not working, we look for what is working or we, you do motivational interviewing. And what yeah. that means is rather than coming through with the answers, I come in with the questions. Yeah. I'm taking it a little bit or a lot deeper. I'm actually inviting anyone that's listening right now that's a counselor, a coach, a, a clinician of any kind. What if you were to make a commitment to go in to your next session or facilitating your next group and not look for anything that's broken, but to hold a space of what might happen if you looked for the wholeness in that person. Mm -hmm. And as you said, first of all, it is a lot easier when I don't have yeah. to have the answers. Yep. I can just hold a space and notice what emerges. It doesn't mean I don't have a perspective or I don't have experience to share, but when I come in with the paradigm of there's something wrong with you and I have the answer, yeah. that creates, first of all, our clients or anyone coming out of addiction is highly attuned, highly attuned to our motivations, okay. right? So that's why people will say to me, wow, I just feel really comfortable around you. It's not, all it is is that I'm not looking at them as broken. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to fix you. I'm not trying right. to tell you. That's the other thing. Who, who wants to be told what to do? No one. There's <laughs> no the one. answer. My four-year-old, definitely. My eight-year-old, even more than my four-year-old. I know I don't at 37. I don't want to be told what to do. But if you frame it up in a way that helps me think for myself, yep. boom, then we're on to something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and really asking the question since we know it's the title. And I want to give a plug to my good friend and colleague, Dr. Adriana Popescu, because that she, she will say, what if you're not as effed up as you think you are, <laughs> right? And that, that's yeah. a, it's a game changer, yeah. right? Because what happens is someone has this shame identity and maybe they're the identified patient in their family. And if you're new to the recovery world, all that means is they're the one that people are viewing as broken. Like you're the problem. And if you could just stop shooting up heroin, totally. our whole family would be okay. Yeah. We know that's not true, yeah. but then they take that on as identity. Perhaps, and let's go a little deeper with it. Yeah. You know, someone who is sexually abused as a child, they were victims at that moment. But the issue is they, in some way, believe that they were at fault or there's something yeah. wrong with them. When they hold the energy of being broken, they might be, it might happen to them again. And mm -hmm. so they start to feel broken. Yeah. They're using drugs, so they get to feel more broken. Now, not only, not only are they a sexual abuse victim, yeah. they're now heroin addicts, right? And so they come into treatment and then they, they meet with a clinician that's like, let me try diagnose you and look for what's wrong, right? So we're talking about something really different and that question alone, what if you're not messed up? What yeah. if underneath all of that, what if all those were strategies? The victim piece is important. We could do a whole show on this. Oh yeah, I love that one too. We might've been a victim early in life, but we have a choice of whether or not we're going to take on the identity of a victim. Yeah. Now, you know, we can call ourselves survivors, but even that has victimness in it. What if I'm a whole and perfect spiritual person? And what if I recognize that I no longer need to carry my past with me? Yeah. What if we could actually go back and change the past because we can have a different experience yeah. or perspective of it? When I hear people in recovery circles say, I'm going to tell my story. It's the same. It's never changed. Well, what if it could? 
because I have a different perspective yeah. of what happened to me at seven than I did when I was two years sober. Yeah. I recognize now, wow, my dad was doing the best he could. I had an experience so of him not being home and I had a lot of core false beliefs that were developed from that. But there wasn't anything wrong there. It was just that that was what was needed for me to actually have the experience yeah. of this breakdown and then breakthrough. When I walked around for so long, and I know many, many other people have experienced this, or maybe they know somebody who does it with that victim mentality. I call it the V on your forehead. And everything right. is the world's fault or my dad's fault or my you know friend's fault or this happened to me, that happened to me. And I'm not making light of any absolutely terrible things that have happened to some people for sure. But you're so right in the fact that we have a choice uh, to continue to live like that or there's power in that too. Right. There's power in being able to flip that and say, wait a minute, like what if, what if that happened to me because, you know, who knows, maybe I don't know why, but maybe there's some positive force I can use it to, uh, to speak out against or to help or to serve. You know? Well, that's the key. And you just named it, right? Mm. So like we, we don't need to try to create meaning about why it happened, yeah. but we can start to say, I'm either going to use this. To, and this is really important for the listeners to get this. We're not talking about bypassing it because most of us need to yeah. in some way experience you know, the pain of that and work with the trauma of that and then move beyond it. We're not talking about bypassing that, but ultimately there's a place where we have a choice of either taking on an identity of a victim yeah. or beginning to come back. And again, we keep coming back to the same theme of reclaiming our power. Yeah. And again, we're not talking about force. We're talking about that spiritual essence but, and but power. But the why, the why will eat, eat you up too. Totally. I know, and I've done, well, why? You know, why did this, why did that? Like, I might never know why in certain circumstances. There and might not be learn. a why. There might not be. Exactly. Exactly. Who knows, you know? So finding some acceptance in that, I think, is a big part um, of being able to move on from that. You know? Well, we're, we're so stuck in the paradigm of good and bad and right and wrong. The issue with forgiveness work for people is they think that how can I ever forgive that person for doing that? He was yeah. wrong. And it, again, we're not, we're moving beyond that paradigm of right and wrong and saying, this is what happened. This is the impact it had on me. I created this sense of a broken self. I'm going to go back and do that healing work. I'm going to shift from blame to recognizing that now, you know, the simple way I'll say it is my friend Gavin said, I used to blame my mom for my posture because she didn't teach me to sit up straight. Then I realized I was 37. <laughs> Right. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I good. now get to work with this. Yeah. You know, this is my choice now. I'm going to work yeah. through this so I don't have to keep carrying, you know, it's like I carry my story. There's a part in conscious recovery that I call living beyond our story, right? Instead of looking for the why did this happen, we can look at what impact it had on me. Yeah. So what and how are more powerful questions. How do I begin to break this cycle? What would it be like for me to be free? Some of us are so identified with our shame and our story and our trauma yeah. that we don't know who we'd be without that. Oh yeah, that was one of the, the most amazing things uh, at 30, 32, 31, 32 when I got sober is when I started to thaw out, it's been so exciting to learn who I really am as a man, as a father, right. as a son, as a brother, uh, you know, as a dad. Um, and it's, it's fun and it's it's exciting, you know, like, wow, I get to learn. I never really knew, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm still learning each day. I just realized something too. There's about 167 other conversations going on in here, TJ, and we just had the best fucking one. What do you think about that? 
that's, that's right. Good. Well, and I want yeah. to touch on something you said too, like saying learning how to be a man. I, one of the things that that just to touch on, and yeah. I know we're yeah, probably yeah, no, good, we're probably yeah. winding down, yeah, but just the gender roles, right? Like, yeah. what does it mean to be a little boy? What does it mean yeah. to be a little girl? And we're moving into this different paradigm where people are like, what does it mean to be a spiritual being or a human being yeah. that yeah. we don't have to take on these deeply entrenched roles? I work with men. I work with a lot of men, and sometimes I'll brainstorm when I'm doing a group with men. What have we been taught about what it means to be a man, to be strong, to be brave, to be super smart, to be the breadwinner, to always have yeah. it together? That's not a human being, right? So we, we are nuanced. We're, we're multifaceted. And then, you know, to be able to start to unlearn some of those programs around yeah. what it means to be our gender, is that, that's a perfect example yeah. of how unlearning is so powerful. Yeah, man. Unlearning is like... I, and I had never really thought about that, you know, until in the recovery, obviously, you know, like, wait, I always saw I need to, I need to know more. I need to know everything. And then if I didn't know something, I get pissed off at myself because I don't know it, feel like a dummy, maybe never try it again, never try anything else. It's like, damn, I got a lot of shit I need to not know how to do anymore. I need to let go of that stuff, yep. you know? Yep. Interesting stuff, man. Well, and that's yeah. one of the deep programs of being a man, too. We need to have the answers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And I, I don't have the answers anymore. Yeah. I got a lot of questions, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, my, my sponsor buddy, and, and uh, you know, I love him to death, man. He's, he's a great friend, mentor, sponsor, good dude. Uh, he says, the older I get, the less I know, man. And I said, oh, I love that. You know, I used I, to think people were being humble, but now I know that they really meant that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I don't really know shit. And it's so much easier like that. No, I don't know that. Why don't you show me? There's a lot of freedom in not knowing. There is. Yeah, I don't need to know everything. And I, I actually struggle with that sometimes because I want to know all the answers to stuff. Why? This, that. Yeah. Whether it's um, you know recovery to what's going on in the world, you know what I mean? It could be any little thing. And, and I just have to say, there's some things I'm just not gonna know, you know? And, yeah. Uh, just be yeah. okay with that. And there's there's power in the question. And one of the things that I've worked with is shifting from why to a more empowering question. Cause like, why is this happening? Like, why is Donald Trump president? Why is, you know, whatever it is we have, why yeah. is this happening? And shifting from that to like, how is this impacting me? What is mine to do? Yeah. What would it be like for me to have freedom? Yeah. You know, because people, you know, I'm using that as an example about the president, regardless of where you're at politically. Yeah. If I believe I can't be free because a certain person is president, wow, I've given that person power. Totally. And I don't even know him, right? Yeah, so totally. like, what would it be like for me to say, hmm, what would it be like for me to be free? Totally. What would it take for me to be free? Well, I think that that even ties into what, what we're talking about, about, um, the programming that goes involved from anything from media from um from politics um just shows in general that we've watched growing up and um the there's a lot of division i feel like in a yes. lot of that stuff and i think that um you know and i'll kind of leave it at this because i could go off we could do a whole nother <laughs> podcast on this too but i think there's a strategy of divide and conquer the, the more we can divide people um, the, the more, um, you know, the more power it gives us. And that's, you know, what I was saying about recovery. I love it because it brings people together, it even does. though there's some jacked up stuff that happens sometimes. Yeah. And that's, um, that is a whole other podcast yeah. of how we create the other, yeah, you know, and totally. that's, and the bottom line is it's fear, right? Yes. Man. Yes. Everything stems just had this convo to it, buddy, but you either, um, uh, there's two things. There's they, well, I can't even remember the second one, but fear's one of them. Fear right or now. love. Fear or fear love. love. There, that's it. That's except it. for how did I forget that? I don't know. I'm gonna take that deeper too. Okay. So, because a lot of times we hear everything's fear or love. Yeah. I've changed it to what if everything is love or a request for love. 
Wait, let me think about that. Love or a request for love? Now, what I mean by that is hmm. it's not that consciously someone is saying, please love me, but most behavior that's coming from fear, yeah. really the root of that, people really want to feel safe, they want to feel connected, and they want love. So in that way, rather than saying, you know, this person's in fear because there's a judgment about that, I wonder what they're really seeking. You know, that's so prevalent in the my work in the addiction treatment yeah, field. Good. Rather than saying, wow, this person is really coming from fear or this person's really entitled, I say, wow, I wonder what they're really seeking. Well, we're all seeking love and connection. Totally, so it always comes totally. back to the same thing. Everyone wants to feel like someone gives a shit about them. <laughs> Another way to say it. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Well, good stuff, man. Any, uh, any, any, um, uh, anything else you want to touch on before any new projects? You got the new. You're working on a new book. Yeah, um, we're working yeah. on a new book. I do yeah. four retreats a year. Yeah. I do individual counseling. I send out a daily inspirational quote. So if you go to tjwoodward.com, you can sign up for my inspirational daily quote. We can cool. stay in touch. The book's going to launch the end of this year. Yeah, There's a lot of amazing stuff happening. Yeah, and I'll be sure I have all the links to um, uh, tjwoodward.com. Everything will be in the show notes. So for those of you out there listening, you can go there and you can click on that. Uh, TJ, dude, always a good time, man. Always great conversation, great. man. That was one of my favorites. Thank man. you, Shane. Good stuff, yeah. Uh, check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram, at RealThatSoberGuy, and at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Uh, once again, we're at uh, Foundations Recovery Network Innovations in Recovery Conference in San Diego. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Peace, love, and respect. And keep your blood clean. I've been so keep my on straight. I've been